Hello and welcome to the podcast for episode 206, Best Laid Schemes. I'm Ronald D. Moore, developer and executive producer of the Outlander television series. I'm joined today by my friend and colleague, Matt Roberts. Hello, everybody. Matt wrote this episode. Um, This is a fun one for us. Um, This episode, I'm trying to remember way back at the beginning, this... We always knew that this was going to be the dual episode. Uh, we did. Actually, this was combined, if you remember. Uh, well, five and six were together at one point. Yeah. And it, it, uh, it got so full. Yeah. And over the course of us, our learning experience, we, we realized our scenes play out a little longer than, than the normal show. Yeah. So we decided to split the episodes, but knowing full well we would end with the duel. In, in where sense. was the split? Do you remember what the where fought where the where we split split them up? Where we decided to split on the uh, the promise. So it was the, where when Claire promise says, the thing. "Promise me you won't you won't right. kill Blackjack for a year," and we decided that's where, where because that was in the middle of the episode. Yeah, originally. Right. So yeah, I was talking last week in the in the previous. Um, podcast about how there was a point where we had King James and the earlier versions at the dinner party and some of the fallout and all that kind of stuff and I think that all it, it, we rejiggered the, the structure a, a couple of times uh, coming into this now you shot did you shoot that did you shoot I did the title I, shot, card? I shot the title card for that it was uh, as, uh, as well as all the writing scenes with uh, uh, Jamie and Fergus which you'll see later in, in the episode but yes now this scene was originally deeper into the show, as I recall, right? Didn't we used to open with the foot massage? We actually opened uh, with the dream sequence that we never shot. Oh, the, the dream the, sequence! The massive dream sequence, because what, right. what, what happens is only a few days go by from from the the end of five until till now, and the way we wanted to bridge the gap was Jamie wrestling with the decision. Yeah. And because he agrees and don't touch me is, is a harsh ending uh, to five at, with our couple. And the dream sequence would have brought him to a place where when he does come to the foot rubbing scene, um, we know he's weighed this because he wakes up here, but we had to trim it so he doesn't right. wake up. Right. Um, and we ended up, you know, through because of uh, there was a lot of battle in 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 the dream sequence we were, were using the same battlefield as we did in an episode that's coming up uh, we we uh, well we got in battle sequences are hard and they take up a lot of time so we had to make one of those decisions we usually do yeah it probably hurt us a little bit in the end result because I think now Without the dream sequence and sort of setting Jamie's emotional stake a little bit more clearly and understanding that he's reacting to his nightmare and yep. his fears yep. and then understanding why he's able to reconcile with Claire a little bit later in the episode. Right now it's a little quick. It's like he starts with Murtaugh like, you know, okay, I'm not dueling Randall. The next thing you know, he's, he's rubbing her feet. And, and, and I agree. And I, and I think when we first saw this cut um, after it was filmed, we looked at each other in post, where we are now, and we said, you know, because we made a, a decision in the middle of the night, if you remember. Yeah. We were in the middle of the night, sitting at a table, having a meeting, and trying to work out the schedule, and and it was just a, a hasty decision, let's just cut that yeah. and film this, because we were there in the moment with that. And a lot of times in production, that's what you do. You, you, make, you make decisions in the moment 
hoping you can fix them later yeah. and and sometimes because you want it to, it's like it's easy to talk yourself in almost any decision because right now there's an emergency or a pressure or something that has to get done yeah and you rationalize it and you say well actually it'll be okay because this that and the other thing and then you look at the cut and you go oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah exactly that and it's usually that's never you know at, at 10 in the morning over a latte that's always Midnight. Yeah, it's always middle of a gun. field. It's never considered, and you know. <laughs> yeah. you know, where is this location? I've s tried to remember this three or four times. Where this are is, we? This is Glasgow Cathedral. Cathedral in the in the in the basement of it, and uh, or in the bottom floor, and uh, Gary uh, Steele and his team. Uh, turn this into a hospital. Um, obviously, the front of, of, of this is in uh, Prague. Yeah. But um, uh, they packed it full of beds and, and patients, and it just is it's a stunning, a, a stunning uh, uh, setting. This is the infamous Monsieur Forez describes what it is to draw and quarter somebody, which yeah. I personally just never gotten to because even as I read it it just creeped the shit out of me and I was always like oh my god I can't read that passage again and it was always on the board and then Monsieur Forest talks about drawing and quartering and I was always looking for some way to cut it from the show yeah. like, over and over again but no one would let me so. right. and, and I think what, what I mean the original uh, draft the writer's draft of this it was it was much longer well, it was much more longer and more it was detailed. much longer and then it was like okay let's trim this and we, we trimmed it a few times and even in post we trimmed it down, and I think we get to the heart of the matter here. Yeah. No pun, uh, yeah. no pun intended. But you wish to please the crowd. It is pretty effective. I mean, it's just like a horrifying. It thing. is, and we we have, we've been playing, <laughs> you know, as we go too. We play that that you know, Jamie yeah, was a traitor. He is a traitor, and you know, I think in in this is France, but. The, the times were very similar how they execute people in France they execute execute people in in Britain so I think that's what we were trying to get across the that the choices they're making have consequences yeah and dire consequences you actually caught this in uh, at the read-through this is uh, one of those 11th hours the original scene um, is actually flipped in the next scene coming up is uh, Master Raymond um, warns her and you're like whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute oh right yeah and it was a good right. it was a really good catch because sometimes you can kind of stay with uh, the spine of the story and you go wait oh wait we've made a change here so yeah you have to track you it. have to track it so those steps were in Prague and and then this this is uh, on our stages in um, Scotland. Now this scene changed a couple of times too. Wasn't there? Didn't we go through a couple of versions where she comes and, and the shop has been trashed? And yes, because yes. that's that's the book. That's from the book, right? Claire went there and the shop had already been trashed we, by the king. We did that in ep that was supposed to be in episode five. In episode five. So when she comes back and it's it's trashed and they're cleaning up, she goes through the front of the shop right. and secretly goes into the you know she knows where Secret he's hiding room, yeah. 
and uh, he's holed up there, hiding out from the gendarmes. And that's where we flipped it. That's where we made the flip. And uh, I remember our production team, art department, kept going. Uh, I get calls every day going, is it, is it trashed or not trashed? Is it trashed or not trashing it? And to, I think Gary's, uh, 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 you know, the joy is that we didn't trash it. Oh, yeah. Because there's so many little... And, and Gino as well, our, our set uh, uh, decorator, is there's so many little things in this yeah. shop that it would have been a nightmare. And they knew full well that once we trashed it, then we would inevitably come back to them and say, oh, we want to do an, an earlier scene in yeah. Raymond, so put it back the way it was. Yeah. And then we go, what? And then we just get that look. Yeah, then we get that look. <laughs> oh, the whiskey today for your enjoyment is Scappa. This is the 16-year-old. Uh, and the smoking lamp is out. <laughs> Please, be careful. Now, the, the, the confusion uh, that <clears throat> some of you may have had is uh, he, he heard that Jenny liked this. He never massaged Jenny's teeth. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jenny said it helped him. She was with child. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and basically, every husband needs to know how to rub his wife's feet. Yeah. It's a little life lesson to those those few bachelors out there listening to <laughs> the <laughs> podcast. Remember, you said I owed you a life because you saved mine. Well, I've saved yours as well, at least as often. Seems to me we're even. I'm trying to remember in the book. This is this is a scene that's basically inspired from the book, and it did it take place. It wasn't the same night as the big argument. This no, was also no, no. It, it was on it reflection. Was, he yes, tells on me. reflection, and that's yeah. what we were trying to get to. I, I think the one thing that we we in the, in the television show we is that Diana has much more time to get into the thoughts and the feelings of of the characters um, and and sometimes we have to get to it because we just don't have enough time if, if, I, I wish we we did sometimes have more time but and I think the fans probably wish we had more time oh yeah we do have to uh, deliver these things. And it's a different pace. It's just a different pace of enjoying the story. You know? TV moves you along in a way that you know the page doesn't have to. Yeah. We have thwarted him all we can, Claire. We may find ourselves staring into the abyss awaiting us at the bottom of Culloden Moor. So if anything should happen to you... Don't talk like that. I want there to be a place for you. Someone to care for you. For Abia. Always, even reading reading this and writing this, it, it always struck me as how difficult it would be for uh, me as a person to so, say, hey, you know, in the moment, something happens to me. I want you to go and be with the guy. Yeah, the other guy. The other guy, and and let him raise our child. And let him raise our child exactly. If the time should come, but this is why Jamie is the king of men. Go back through the storm. It is, and 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 I know some people won't <clears throat> probably agree with this, but it's even. She's dealing with two pretty magnanimous guys in yeah. Frank and Jamie. One raises, you know. 
And yeah, they're both like valid. It's yeah. like they're both valid partners for her. Or her her heart and her soul go to Jamie. Yes. But Frank is not an invalid choice. No, and that I think that's the that's what makes the dilemma. That's yeah. what makes the tr- the triangle. I mean, everybody knows the perfect fit is Jamie. Yeah. That that when you're when you're building that puzzle, he just fits perfectly with Claire. Their yeah. souls match up. And had she never met Jamie, she could have had a nice life with Frank. Yeah. But she did meet him, yeah. and therein lies the issue. Yeah, you can't, you know, can't close that door. Yeah, as we say, you can't unring the bell. Yeah, the Jamie bell. The Jamie bell. <laughs> now, this whole conceit here is, uh, as as Ron and Ron and I love ships. <laughs> we we love sea battles. Anything on ships, we love. Um, it would have been great to get Jamie and Murtaugh traveling to Portugal yeah. on the ship, doing the, what was in the book, but production, the way it works, is uh, sometimes you just can't do those things. So we had to reconceive and set this heist and caper completely in France. And, uh, I mean, this is the way we did it, but... Um, yeah, because the, the, in the book, for those of you who haven't read the book, the book version was Murtaugh and Jamie actually go on the ship that has the wine on it. Mert, it was supposed yes. to be Murtaugh faking the smallpox, yes. right? Yes. And then Jamie was going to buy the wine from the ship captain when the ship captain was panicked that everyone had smallpox. Yes. Jamie was going to buy it at a cut rate and then dump it somewhere else, basically. Yes. And then through the course of events, Jamie was so seasick that he ended up faking the smallpox instead of Murtaugh. Yes. It was a great little story. And yeah, the, the thing about doing it on a ship was really exciting. But when you really get down to nuts and bolts and how much it's going to cost, and now we need a ship set for just this one sequence in this episode. And ship sets are complicated, gimbals, motion, water. You need the CG. It was just like a whole thing that suddenly was just too much. Yeah. It was too much to, to take on for what was ultimately a very small part of the episode. And I think we, we constantly have to weigh that. Yeah. And, and that's the beauty of writing a novel, is you can write, they go on a ship, and they do this, and they do, you know, they do whatever, and, and you're just in it, and it feels great. But when we have to go, oh, water, yeah. cameras on the water, that adds... But I, I, I think, you know, um, and I hope uh, that we, we succeeded in... in, in in uh, keeping keeping to the um, the heart of the story, yeah, the spirit of it, the spirit of it. We did go round and round. I mean, there were very, we tried various tales of what we kept calling the wine caper. Yes, how the wine caper worked, what Charles thought he was doing, what Saint Germain thought he was doing, what Jamie was trying to actually do, and then how they how it came unraveled. How I mean, it was just it's one of those plots you just kept working over and over again because as soon as you had it fixed, then you'd realize, oh wait, that doesn't line up with this other thing we said last week well and that and that's the the story once once they leave france and go to portugal and 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 they're dealing with people they don't know that makes it that makes it in a way a simpler story because they don't know those people but in our story the comp is there the the, the prince is there and they're dealing with people they have dealings with yeah. So now they have to pull the wool over their eyes, and that's what makes it more difficult and more intricate to, to weave the story together. Yeah, because it has to tie into everything else. Yes. Everything that's happened before this episode and after yes, this episode. Yes, exactly. 
And then this this moment is we we've we've often in the room it was when do, well, how much does Murtaugh know? Yeah. And and what does he think they're doing? What does he think they're doing? And ultimately we came to uh, this episode and, and it was finally I think we all came to the point where it was let's just tell him. Yeah. Let's just tell him and he's the most trusted guy in, in the clan. We we've heightened the role of Murtaugh in our stories. Yep. And so we had to actually bring him into the fold here and and uh, obviously we didn't want to go through the whole story. She came through the stones and all the all the things that uh, that, that the audience already knows, even TV or, or book audience. So uh, we, we devised a kind of a clever montage, I think. And it was nice to go out and do it in the courtyard because yep. we have this great courtyard set. This is all interior, again, on our sound stages. And, you know, we're just simulating sunlight, or, yeah, sunlight, yeah. daylight out yeah. there. And those cobbles are actually real. Mm -hmm. They those are real cement cobbles that they they pattern into the to the floor. They had to you know, they'll rip them up eventually. But um, yeah, everything you, it's a workable courtyard, which is what yeah. I, I love about the majority of our sets are practical. We can really use them. Yeah, when you were on this this set, the apartment set, you really feel like you were in a legitimate place. Oh, absolutely. Because it was walled in. I mean, there was no ceiling. That was the only part that broke the illusion. But when you looked around, when you were walking through at the hallways of the bedroom or the courtyard, every direction you looked horizontally, it looked real. It looked like you were really there. Well, uh, what we, we usually give our, our new directors a little walk around the first day. And, and, and every director we walked around this set, we normally would have to say, oh, you can close your mouth now. Because they were so stunned that we were a television show for one. Yeah, this is what you get in feature films, and uh, the staircase, oh the courtyard, just everything. Yeah. They, they're, they're just so overwhelmed by the detail and and the scope. Yeah, the scale of these buildings. Yes. is really something. Yeah. Now. We wanted to give Murtaugh a reaction that was a Murtaugh reaction. And I always felt like that's what he should do. Yeah, you know, seems right. You know, I'm going to teach you a lesson here. And uh, Murtaugh, that was Murtaugh saying, you know, uh, about the witch. Uh, there were big questions about why would, he, why would Jamie call his wife a witch. Jamie didn't call his wife his witch. Uh, that was just something that Murtaugh inferred from yeah. the conversation. We also uh, worked uh, worked hard to bring our couple, our, our hero couple, back together. They'd been separated early, you know, going back and forth, and, and at the end of five, they're really at odds. But one thing I think that, that uh, Jamie and Claire do well in our show and the books is uh, when they team up, um, they are a really powerful couple. Mm -hmm. They have they have both have strengths at, that uh, Jamie's strengths aren't Claire's strengths. And and Claire's aren't, you know, I mean, vice versa. They complement each, each other and they really work well together. <clears throat> this is actually a scene you suggested. And when I first sat down to write it, I, I, I was actually kind of struggled. It was like, how do, how do I get this across? And when I wrote the first draft of it, um, 
it, it, it started to becoming my favorite scene in, in, in the episode. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. You, you, you were like, I want him to write, I want him to write the numbers. And I, these years and I want him to, to come to believe what Jamie just told him because he, he probably has an inkling of something going on. Yeah. And, you know, we, we deal in a, in a world of fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, I thought there was something interesting about this is how he literalizes it. He makes yes. it real by writing the numbers and, and looking at them and project, trying to imagine what it would be like to live in a time that started 19-something. Yeah. Because that's 200 years away. It's like us trying to imagine writing, you know, 22 so-and-so. Exactly. What's it like to write to live in 22, you know, 15 or 22, 16? And see, Murtaugh comes from a time, you know, where when she says, I, I lived through a world war, a world war to Murtaugh is, is something that the world's always been at war. Yeah. This is actually the most peaceful time in, 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 the, war, in the world's history. So he knows what a world war is. don't know about you. It's my favorite part. Jamie. About any of us. Duncan's so great. Yeah, he's really good in this. Oh, he's good in everything. Even knowing what Jamie says you do. He really does have a soulful quality to him. He does. Of course, Duncan himself is nothing like, like that. But, but I, I actually maybe I could see Duncan playing in a soul band. You know? Yeah, he played a soul band. Yeah. yeah. Now, did you shoot these? We did. We shot all this. We Matt, went up to an estate. Just to let you know, Matt shoots a lot of second unit for the show, which isn't credited in the credits, but. Matt does a lot of things like this. These are pickup shots or insert shots or things that are shot after the main unit is, is wrapped or we need to just go back and pick up a quick scene or something. That's usually Matt is, is doing all the heavy lifting on that kind of stuff. Kind of the, uh, like a journeyman baseball player. You're playing left field today or you're playing <laughs> second base today. That's Le Havre, which, uh, you know, our, our, our visual effects. Richard Briscoe, who's... who's a genius who helps us out. Where is this? Is this, this is actually a is real set? no a real distillery that we found that's real close to Dune. Oh, Deanston. Deanston. Oh, Deanston. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deanston Distillery. Not far from, Not from where we live. Yes, and uh, we, as I as I said. No, we did not get any free drams. We, <laughs> we were not partaking in all those real casks of whiskey. Um, I would have to say that is our best smelling set, though. <laughs> um, and this was this was this was a much bigger sequence uh, filmed, but in in post, um, once again, I think he did a really nice job trimming us to the heart of the matter. Yeah, there was a lot of going. It was more going in and out, as I recall. Right? There was. Fergus there went was. in and came back out a couple of times. And there was some interaction with the more dialogue the and things like yes, yeah. and more dial, more action with with uh, one of the characters within the right within the um, the warehouse. But we know what he's doing, and that that's the key is is that he's planting all the the, the things that we just saw Claire do to Jamie. Well, that's a, the thing I like about our, our show is that for that sequence that took, and this was also on the estate, just a beautiful long drive all the way, you know, it's just a beautiful uh, grass 
you know, entryway to the state, and we used it to have oh. them ride out to make it feel like they were going back to Paris. Is that at Hopeton? Is that what no, it was, I, you know, I can't remember the name of the state. It wasn't Hopeton, though. That must work. Charles can't get his hands on that money. This is one of the things we tried to do in this script was bring them back to their playfulness, their connection, and um, uh, what Diana, I think, does in, in all the books is the, the characters have a great sense of humor. And, and I think Outlander um, and Ron has always uh, given us free reign to add humor to our show because the one thing that, that some other shows, I'm going to name them, is they don't, they don't have humor. Yeah. Sometimes you, you watch some of these and you come out and you go, God, I didn't laugh once. And, and I like that. I like that I too. we can laugh and cry and, and all it's of that. It's also knowing it, it, it helps the, in, a, in a way, letting, letting yourself laugh for a moment or have a moment of humor increases the tension of the following beat. That's something I've always loved in Spielberg. You know, Spielberg's the master of that sort of thing. He can direct in a really suspenseful, intense sequence. He knows exactly where to put a joke in. Yeah. And like the, the Tyrannosaur attack in Jurassic Park should be required doing for anyone who wants to be a director. Because that is a really intense, great thrill scene. You know, it's like a roller coaster. And he knows precisely where to put in a couple of jokes. And you no sooner laugh than something immediately scary happens. Yeah. And it increases the scare. Because yeah. it's like it's, if it's all tense all the time, you kind of get used to that feeling. But when you break that moment and you feel a little bit of mirth, and then the scare can yes. grab you. And I think the same works in, in drama and emotion. You know, it's like if you're feeling just sad all the time, you, you kind of almost burn out on that, on that chord. I, I, I agree. I mean, if you, if you don't... If you can't feel happy, you really can't feel sad. Yeah. You know, you have to feel both. Yeah. Um, I think uh, Stanley and Andrew here, um, the, the, the tightness of this shot, the intimacy of this shot is, is uh, Metin Hussein, who, who directed, did a, did a lovely job here. But the, Andrew and Stanley um, are spectacular in this scene and in the in the in the following scene that comes up but um to expel the Hanoverian usurpers to my father's throne this is to I like that all through the show this season at least I do find myself alternately being repelled by and rooting for Prince Charles. Yes. Like, I'm always kind of going back and forth, like, oh, I want him to win. Oh, my God, he's an idiot. Yes. You know, it's just sort of this push-pull quality. I, I, I think, and I think that's, you know, let's attribute some of that to Andrew, who's brilliant, by the way. Yeah, he's he, amazing. He, he makes you love him, and then he's, he, he, the, the next performance you go, why would you hang out with that guy? I know. It's like and you can kind of see both. You can see why men followed him to their death yes. and why it all failed yes, yes. at the same time. Yes, and, and, and he, that's the genius of, of, of Andrew Gow, is yeah. that he, that little smile, when, when Jamie looks back and Andrew's got that smile, well, it's going to be all good. Yeah. It's, it's like, that's the guy that you go, yeah, we want to follow him because he has this hope and this... He, he thinks God is driving him to this, yeah. this final destiny. And, and Stanley has this... This is my... I, I'll, I'll always love oh, this scene. always love this scene, yeah. 
Playing the Jesse. Playing the Jesse. Where did you get that phrase? Well, a Jesse is a phrase that uh, on 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 set they they uh, they they mentioned. That's what they called them. So I added in Carol Ann, who was our dialect coach. Uh, uh, said Jesse would be a great it's term here in another script, so I, I stole oh, it and used it in this script. It's so perfect because you know exactly what it means, yeah. but I've never heard it before. Yeah. This is another one of those moments that we we wanted to play, um, kind of the, the not the not the lightness, but the humor. So that line, it's okay for you to lie to me, is an actual callback to the line that Jamie and Claire speak in, in episode, I believe, seven, where he says, we can have secrets, but we can't have lies. Right. So she's saying, you know, she's saying, hey, you know, as couples, real couples do, they play with each other. Yeah. And, and they have their in-jokes. They have their in-jokes in a private moment. Yes, yeah, they're private jokes, yes. I love Suzette. Oh, Suzette, uh, she's brilliant. That was a great, I mean, the whole little Murtaugh Suzette runner was one of my favorite things. And, and I think one thing that, that we both, we were looking for is we wanted to finish off, in a weird, not finish off because we were, lo- you know, I'd love to see what happens between these two. Yeah. We just don't have the time. But that little moment, that little, I'll get you out of these clothes. Yeah. I think everybody knows that, that, that and, and remember the earlier episode, uh, episode four, where Murtaugh's kind of fishing when he says, uh, you know, Suzette, you know, does she love anybody? Oh, yeah. And Fergus says, you know, yeah. she loves everybody. everybody. But that was before Murtaugh. Yeah. Yeah. Now this scene was uh, added, I had I, written the entire script, and this scene got added late in the game so to speak and it to me it's the most important in the in, in the in the script because of what's coming yeah I agree I think it, I think initially I was opposed to this scene because I thought it broke the mood of sort of the aftermath of the confrontation and the argument about Jack Randall but I think what what swayed me into now seeing it is like a really important in the story is that um, you do have to reconnect before you break them apart. Exactly. And if we had not reconnected them in this story and they were just apart through the whole thing, then the ending of the show would be a little less shattering. Exactly. And and this was the moment they were a family. Yeah. When he talked to his baby. Yeah. When she that when they were playful, she he says he, she says she, because in his time a he is very important. Yeah. And in her time, you know, I mean, she's a, you know, it's Claire feminist. I don't know. I'm not going to say, but it's it was important. That's why it's important, you know, uh, in general, when you're running a show and when you're looking at a story like this, you, it's important to, to not get too dug in. It's like important to have sort of an opinion and a point of view of what each episode is about, what story you're trying to tell, and hold to that. But you do have to like be open to realizing that oh well wait a minute it's actually shifted under my feet or I hadn't looked at it this way and you have to be open to like hear other voices periodically and still know that you know and not worry about it you know because you, you don't want to a trick I think some people can get into is believing that if you allow yourself to change your mind or allow yourself to, to 
pivot on a decision you made early that somehow that means that you're not holding true to a vision of the show. But it really just means that you're allowing the show to live and breathe and you have to grow and change with the show along the way. The one thing that, that you know, I, I've, I've come up kind of under your umbrella and the one thing that, that I, I've, I've always loved about you is it's not your idea that wins, it's the best idea that wins. You try really hard. I try really hard to do that. And, and, and you do, and, and there are certain things that you do dig in on because you think those are, that is the best idea. And you know what? Ultimately, a lot of times, we come around and we go, God, that really was a damn good idea. And that's the beauty of it, is, is normally, I think, the best idea does win. And yeah. you do listen, though, that's the great thing. You always listen to every idea. You, the problem, you know, you have to filter out a lot of them, yeah. and that's a, that's a tough job. It's when tricky. you have to filter out all those ideas, you know, it's a talent. It's, it's in the end of the day, it becomes a talent. It's an interesting. It's certainly a skill set. It's trying to like figure out what it is you're trying to say, what what's the vision of the story, and trying to tell that the best way you can. Yes. But realizing that you might be wrong about it, you know, and being open to at least considering the possibility that you're wrong, and not being afraid to embrace that, not being afraid to say, you know what, that is a better idea. Yeah. And okay, let's go that way. And you just do it. Well, and, and I think that's the thing that, that I always find uh, the joy working with you is that um, egos aside, everybody has an ego. But when when you can just go, yeah, that's a, that's a really good idea. It has nothing. On, it doesn't reflect. No, how does that reflect on me? You're picking the best idea. That's because my, my ego is massive enough. <laughs> There's very little that can dent it. <laughs> I like this this scene. I, I do too. I like this little beat of Claire too. trying to like, you know, be somewhat socially conscious. And you know, it's sort of an interesting element of the show is that we don't really talk about. There's maybe this is one of two references. Yeah, there's to all, the, very to few. the French Revolution yes. in the whole thing and it is coming all these people are doomed on a certain level they're the french culture that she's part of is as doomed as the highland culture yeah. of culloden in many ways and blood is going to run in the streets and all that and this was just like one of the only times that she could actually like hang a lantern and, and and really what she's saying is i'm warning you of what's going to come yeah don't you think we should think don't about you think this? you should think about this yes i love that for a moment there's yes yes the beat Like Claire actually got through to them. Yeah, oh, making progress. That, that's actually uh, Claire is the actress there playing Louise, and Scarlett uh, uh, Mac plays uh, to Toinette, named after Tony Grappia, one of our writers. Is it time? No, it's not the baby. It's just that. Me. That's what it is. There's, I tried to help you. I'm, you're not going to be helped. I can't. Changing history is very difficult. Yeah. These are, these are, this is the kind of scene I have a lot of trouble writing. Is There's always like that moment structurally in many episodes where we say, and there's a party or they're at dinner and they're chatting about this and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I get to the actual scene where I have to have them make small talk or they're actually sort of chat and I'm sort of like, Fuck, what are they saying? Yeah. 
Oh, crap. They have to say, then I'll get down to counting lines. I think I need three lines of crap before they get to what it means. And those three lines will torture me. What, what I do is I, I write the scene and then I leave those out and then write those in the appendix. Those are the appendix. <laughs> the appendix. Yeah. If you do not want to become one yourself, you'll do as I said. Yeah, pretty much rule of thumb is do what Mother Hildegard says. Yeah, just stick with that. Just stick with that and you'll be good. And I think Mother Hildegard knows that this is not, um, that this is a serious thing. And she's trying to make, like any good doctor, you're going to try to make your patient feel a little more at ease so, so their anxiety doesn't exacerbate the situation. It's common to leak a bit at this stage. So she lies. Our feeling, I remember us discussing it generally. Our feeling was that Claire, as a combat nurse, didn't have a lot of experience. She had zero. Yeah. How many births did she have? Yeah. You know, and, and this when, is... When she helped Jenny, did she say that was the first birth? Or yeah. We just kind of played. We played. Right? She didn't. She really didn't know what she was doing in that regard. Yeah. And, the, and the, this is kind of one of those funny things that I know uh, Katrina has been saying on interviews that, that I was an EMT, which I, which I was. And um, I did deliver some babies, and we had conversations during this scene of, of you know, what would happen. And, and Mother Hildegard does lie in the sense of saying, hey, this happens all the time. Because Claire hasn't had a baby either. Right. And that's the other thing about it. Is she, has no she has no reference. <laughs> <clears throat> The aftermath of the heist. The aftermath of the heist. My favorite beat of this is when he starts talking about if he had to live in Poland. Yes. <laughs> and how horrified he is at that. Now, just to let everybody know, we love Poland. It has nothing to do with actual the the, the beauty of Poland or the people of Poland. Is that uh, Prince Prince Charles' mother is from Poland, and, and if he loses. The, the Pope's support, if, if the King uh, James loses the Pope's support and, and they have to retreat somewhere, it will be to Poland and, and to his mother's family. And I think it was the more of the concept of having to not be the King of England because he thinks he's going to be the King of England and Scotland someday. And if this all goes pear-shaped, then he would have to go and live in Poland, and that's why he says yes. it. it has nothing to do against uh, Poland or the Polish people. It will not recover my wine. Our king and God have been let down. All the sacrifices I made these last months in France, lowering myself to a It's the only time we see the brothel empty. Empty. Yeah, this is uh, to what we imagined as. Dawn, so very early morning, they just come back from the heist. If Prince fail. Charles. Was there a version of this that played it in the wine warehouse, or am I not remember? No, it might. We we talked about we talked about setting it there, but um, <clears throat> this seemed like the more reasonable place he would be. Yeah. <laughs> and then. The weeping. <laughs> no, just watching him react. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the horror of it all. Oh, her. And this this little beat, um, I wanted to connect 
Fergus and Jamie a little bit. Mm -hmm. And there's also the 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 Claire has never really taken to Fergus, not not a hundred percent. Right. Um, so there's a line later that comes. Because uh, he's this odd little interloper that just appeared in their house one night. Exactly. And and Fergus, uh, especially in, in the books, and what we wanted to play is that he wants to. He's a little Jamie. He wants to be Jamie more than anything. Yeah, there's a definite hero worship quality. Exactly. And that was a little playoff episode four where he's eating at the end where all yeah. that chaos. Yeah. So I wanted to play a little beat of that, that he's always hungry, and even even in that world. I still regret, I, I said this in the last podcast, I still regret the fact that I cut the scene with Fergus brushing Claire's hair and talking yeah. about it. I mean, it slowed down the episode, and that's why we cut it ultimately. But it was a nice insight into more of his backstory and who he was. Lady says, out of sight, out of mind. Never had her see that. Says it to me every day. And that, that was, that was the, the play on, uh, one, we like to try to give, uh, to set Claire a little out of time every now and then. Mm -hmm. And that saying is very much... Has got himself into some trouble at the salon. This is originally in the book, it's the... Uh, Wine warehouse uh, foreman. Oh right. So we we changed it to. Because um, we never even met him. We, we we didn't meet him. We didn't know him. And and we leave Charles uh, Stewart at the at the brothel. So a little it made more yeah. sense that it was him. And this little saying about I'll guard your right. Is something that uh, Diana had laced throughout the books, and and um, I, I like I like throwing those little nuggets out every now and then. Wasn't that something that Ian said? Yes, Ian says, Ian it. says that. Ian yeah. says it. So those little nuggets are, are really important, uh, I think, to to the people who read the books. The people who don't, uh, I, I think, will probably eventually go and read the books. I hope our show inspires you to do that. Link now to Amazon.com. Yes. Now, this is... Uh, we filmed this a couple times, We actually. filmed this little sequence a couple of times. First time through, I think the, the red coat was lying on the bed. It was. We, we went back and did this again, yeah. Because the first time I couldn't tell what it was. It just looked like a blanket. It looked like yeah. a red blanket. So this was one of those second unit shots where we went back and did it all over again. Actually, yeah. In that wide shot you just saw there a second ago, you could see there's actually a red fabric in the foreground that is the, the uniform coat. Right. But you couldn't tell it was the red coat. Yeah. And what, what Fergus is actually doing is, is, is going to steal some perfume yep. for Claire... Because um, he's a, a solid guy who has no money. Yeah. <laughs> this was Prague. This was uh, uh, back in Prague. I think uh, back on our set, which which I think seamlessly works. This is uh, Robbie McIntosh, who's uh, brilliant as Magnus. I would love to have taken him. 
to Scotland somehow. He's just a really good, I know, he's such a great solid guy. actor who who sh just really performed. And um, he's got a great moment coming up in the next episode. Yeah, yeah. Forgive me. I did not know you had left home. That's all right. Lots of discussion on this little sequence of yeah. how Claire figures out what's happened in the book. There was the note. The, the, and the hair, right? The note and the hair, the ponytail. And since we haven't been playing the hair, there was no way, so we used the brace. The, just to be clear, in the book, the idea was Jamie cut his hair because it was a reference to a conversation he had with Annalise back at Versailles where he, they talked about when he, was, when he dueled for Annalise, yep. he had to cut his hair so that it wouldn't fall in his eyes during yes. the duel. Exactly. So here, there was a beat in the book where Claire looked over and he had cut off his hair and left it with the note and she realized... Oh my God! He cut his hair again to go do the duel, but yep. we didn't. We didn't really play that. Because first off, because his hair wasn't like that, yeah. and we never played that in episode two, so we couldn't play here. So we used his brace yes. as kind of the the telling. And I think a, a, a big shout out to all our supporting cast is, you know. Katrina and Sam and Tobias and, and Duncan are amazing all the time. But our supporting cast really elevate Outlander. They they're so good. They're so believable. They're, well, look how long we hold on Suzette in these in this scene. I mean, yes. you can really let her. You can be with her. Exactly. And I I, I love how uh, Annie and her team. Let Claire's hair go crazy. Yeah. Is is that it was disheveled like she woke up. There's a shot coming up here when the carriage leaves the front door and goes flying down the street. The back end goes sliding across and it almost slams into the curb. It right does. There, look at that. Oh my god. I was sitting just off camera to the left and I jumped up off my Apple box and I said, we're not doing that again. Yeah. And, and I looked around to, all the, to, to everybody and I said, did we get that? And everybody's like, we got it. And I'm like, done. <laughs> Katrina was actually in the carriage. Was she in the she carriage? She was in the carriage. She jumped out. And, and, and Katrina being Katrina was like, hey. Almost like, that was fun. I don't want to do it again, but it was fun. Yeah. So. And this is this is hoped in a state. Yeah, we're back in Scotland. So now we're back in Scotland, and um, well, that's poor man process, but you know, yeah, it works out well. This is actually Pollock uh, Park in the center of Glasgow. So we we build these scenes from multiple shots from from all over. Yeah. Yeah, this is a multinational sequence. It really is. So this is, this is uh, uh, we, we jump back at the end of this, we jump back to Hopeton Estate. And, um, and then once she jumps out, we go back to Pollock Park, which is uh, Glasgow's central park. Yeah. It's their biggest park. And we filmed the duel there. We had a very difficult time uh, trying to keep photographers away because, you know, the one thing that we, we like to do is, you know, we don't want to spoil the, the, 
you know, with, with a thousand pictures out there, you'll know what's coming. And we, we want to keep that uh, special. We want to go a special moment. I came through the fading light to find this, to stop them. Having found them, I could not intervene. Sam and um, Tobias rehearsed this, the choreography of the duel, over a few days. But they did um, perform it each time when we were filming Katrina's coverage. Uh, yeah, they, they, they did. Is there any stunt work involved in this? Is this all of them? We did, we did use stuntmen at some points, but in the final cut, I'd say about 95% of it is Tobias and Sam. It feels like that. Yeah, it really is. I love that. Yeah. Of course, Claire doesn't want to yell out. Yeah, she doesn't want to distract. Just distract. But the pain of it, the pain of the miscarriage. And building the, building the timing and the rhythm of this in post. Yeah, this was a lot of work. The editing team really worked through this again, yeah. again and again. See, Jamie, that's the first moment he knows that Claire's there. We had the horses rush out. And and even, even in that moment, Claire's smart enough to know, if I don't say, take me to Mother Hildegard, I'm a dead woman. Yeah. There's always that, where do you end? Yeah, who, where do you, who where do you, where, do you end on Jamie, Jamie calling for her? Calling, yeah. Back to Claire. And I think that is the, that's the right moment. Yeah, go back to her. Yeah. It's a great episode. Yeah. It's a really good ending. Like, the ending is really so good. Yeah. Yeah, well. Well, there's uh, there's 206, huh? There's another one down. Yeah. Just keep going forward, like I, sharks. I would say, uh, just to warn you, uh, 207. Yeah, bring out your handkerchief. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, All right. thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll talk again very soon on 207. Good night and good luck.